Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Larson Line. I am, as always, your host, John Whitaker, and Dan isn't here this week, but we have a guest, Kevin Rollins. Hello, Kevin. Hey, what's happening? So, Kevin has his own podcast. It's on YouTube, The Dalecast. Came up on YouTube. His YouTube is just his name, Kevin Rollins, and his... You can just look up the Dale cast. He recently was doing one on the IndyCar GP, which mm, eh race. Yeah, honestly, it was better in person because of the power and Wiccans battle. And then it actually rained towards the end, which actually made things pretty interesting. But it didn't rain enough to the point of where it actually had an effect on the race, unfortunately. But I think it would have shaken the entire race up. Yeah, I sadly had to watch it on TV because I live in Wyoming and there is no IndyCar racing in Wyoming. Yeah, I mean, I think IndyCar, if they really want to, you know, um, get a better audience in terms of viewership, they need to branch out to more places because watching a race on TV and then experiencing it in person are two completely different things um, with the same end storyline. But I will say the Grand Prix, people are complaining that there's only there's still only two different winners in five years. But I will say Will Power actually earned this one. So kudos. Yeah. Yeah. The battle between him and Wickens was good. Honestly, I was cheering on Wickens, even though oh, all the we were too. Yeah. And then Dixon came out of nowhere. Yeah, the controversy, of course, between my favorite driver, Ross and Wickens. I still really like Robert Wickens. He's a great driver. Of course, he has showed that with a, a top three and almost a win at almost not only. Two wins, really, um, because Phoenix, um, if they would have changed yeah. his tires, he would have won that race. But uh, Schmidt kind of screwed the pooch on that one. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. – um, of course, Rossi, he always runs good. Mm-hmm. Of course, if you watched or have heard the podcast about the Phoenix race, it was really Rossi would have had two laps on the field if he uh, hadn't had that penalty. Yeah, and, you know, the thing about Rossi is um, two years ago, he was virtually a a nobody he was pretty much like the Gabby Chavez and this isn't a disrespected Gabby I'm just saying that uh I'm using him as a reference because he's really a midfield guy and that's sort of what Rossi was until he won the Indy 500 and he gained his confidence and ever since then he's been virtually unstoppable yeah I mean not like three years ago nobody knew Gabby Chavez was and I of course I'd put him in my IndyCar series because that was when he was racing for coin. And then he got the rate, the ride with Harding. And now he's, even though he's mid pack, sometimes he can be sneaky fast. And yeah, the, the thing with, I don't like Harding group, the race team, because I have a little personal issue with them um, because they are a construction company and I work in construction and they're kind of dickish and their ethics are a little bit questionable in my opinion. However, Gabby Chavez as a driver, he's a fantastic human being. He's a fantastic driver. Um, it's just the team I have an issue with. Mm -hmm. 
Now, before we got on this whole thing, which I do want to say, Rossi, mm -hmm. yeah, the Indy 500, he won mm -hmm. that, and that really got his confidence up. And then, like, he didn't have the best start to 2016, mm -hmm. and then, like, halfway through the mm -hmm. season, they figured out what was wrong, they mm -hmm. fixed it, and they got up front. Mm -hmm. And every time that Rossi's gotten the pole, he's gotten the win now, so. Well, the thing with Rossi is, um, you have to look at the fact that, too, that he was sort of the back guy at Andretti in 2016. He really was the B team. Um, and they, you know, you have the guys that they obviously pay attention to, like Marco and Hunter Ray, um, you know, and then you had sort of Munoz in the middle and then Wilson and Rossi in the sort of the, the backfield or the tail gunners for Andretti. Because again, mm -hmm. remember the 98 car is, to this day, not a full Andretti car. That's Andretti Herda. Um, yeah. And Rossi got that push from the Indy 500 because, or he's been so much better since he won the Indy 500, not only because he gained his, his confidence, but also he got Andretti Autosport behind and decided to put money uh, behind his team to get them better and get give them the better equipment. Yeah, I mean, as David Land would say, back then they were riding shotgun at Andretti Autosport. And, of yeah. course, you did have David Land on your Dale cast last weekend. That's the point I was trying to make. But Funny enough, the Dale cast thing is it's because we constantly like to poke fun at the referencing Dale. Um, and it's misspelled on purpose because of. Like whenever we um, go through the IMS tunnels and get, when we get there, we always scream three for Dale or do it for Dale or stuff like that. It's all, it's just poking fun, not at what happened to Dale, but at, at how great Dale was and how people still idolize him. Mm -hmm. Sort of like how we, how we, every time we see one of the appreciation ways, we have to make some sort of wisecrack about it. Mm -hmm. And plus, it's I can like think of. And I could think of literally no other title for this podcast. Yeah, I went. I mean, when you were with David Land, when you had him on, that was the first time mm -hmm. I watched it. And then I went back and watched, and it was the No Name Show. Yeah, I literally had nothing. I could not think of anything. Plus, my schedule has been really busy lately. So you know, I was gonna do a whole rant on the World Endurance Championship. And I actually recorded it, but I never got around to editing and uploading it um, because they've really screwed the pooch with uh, Fernando um, and they're literally handing him the win to this mm -hmm. point, at least. Um, and I listen, I love Fernando just like everybody else, but I don't think he should be handed things because he's a superstar in motorsports. I think he should legitimately earn his triple crown by fighting tooth and nail for it. And be the, way, the way the WEC is right now, they're kind of screwing that up. Yeah, it would be like just handing Chase Elliott the win. Like, here you go. They are making – NASCAR is making him work for it, and everyone else is making him work for it. Yeah, I mean, I've for a long time jokingly have called Chase Elliott lackluster Chase who can't seem to win a race. And when he finally wins, I can finally call him lackluster Chase who somehow won a race. <laughs> Of course, oh. it's like sort of like the nickname Austin Chase from the same place. Yeah, exactly. It's a play on that. And Chase Elliott fans always get triggered when I say that. But, you know, 
actually most NASCAR fans get triggered when I even open my mouth anymore because they realize that I'm not that much of a NASCAR fan straight up. I respect it, but just because I respect it doesn't mean I necessarily like it. I mean, NASCAR isn't NASCAR to me. Um, it was NASCAR was so much better a decade ago, pre or well, actually just a little over a decade ago when we had the Gen 4 cars because the Gen 4 cars could actually pass. Um, it, it's really what comes down to the aerodynamics of the cars and the COTs really screw that up to where it's a lot more difficult to pass. And, you know, you really can't slingshot it like you used to. And I mean, it's my opinion because back in uh, over just about a deck or just over a decade ago, excuse me. Um, I was hardcore NASCAR and anti indie car. Um, actually that's dating back to like 2004, 2005. Um, and then I sort of went to my first Indy 500. I was like, okay, NASCAR is still better, but you know, this is pretty cool. And then, you know, over time I've sort of swung around to the other end, you know. And you did bring that up on your recent podcast. And um, also the only really NASCAR talk that you had on your recent podcast was the little reaction that they had to the that David synced up perfectly, yeah. Because yeah. um, we when we were recording that, we were chilling out in David's hotel room. And I was like, you know what? I'm bored. Might as well throw some entertainment up on YouTube. And we recorded that. And we were watching the 24 hours of the Nürburgring and the NASCAR race at the same time. And David just happened to look up and that, and you've seen the reaction. And then we, um, afterwards we we were still going, that was a hard lick. Yeah. It really was. Um, that's one of those accidents that just sort of stops. Those are the kind that hurts. Yeah. I honestly thought that he had injured himself because of the Almirola crash from last season. But luckily, William Byron was okay. And I did see that post that David Land made about him watching both. And I said, um, real goats watch two races at the same time on the post. And actually, funny enough, we were watching the highlights from the IndyCar Grand Prix at the same time. So we were watching three races at once. Um, but, I mean, it was, a you know... The thing about David is he is pretty much the same guy, uh, a little bit less PG um, yeah. off camera than, than what he is on camera. And he is all around a fantastic human being. And I love David to death. He is the best at what he does. Yeah. And one of my favorite, po- can you really call it a podcast? You might know where I'm going with this. The Red Pill? Yeah, can you really? That's like a podcast. I'd say that's more. That's not. I wouldn't call it a podcast. I just call it a. Um, well, I mean, I'd call it a YouTube show. Yeah, like that is like one of the best things to watch if you're starting to get into IndyCar. I mean, that is like literally it is the no punches pulled IndyCar show. The last couple have been funny because they have starred me uh, as the supporting cast. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always fun. He does talk his mind with that. Um, you know, he did. He's done a really great job with his YouTube in general. Um, 
and he's mm-hmm. not the most popular person ever on uh, the other interwebs like Reddit, especially. But yeah. it's pretty well documented his little warfare with Reddit. Um, I mean, the bandwagoners guide's pretty oh, yeah. well explained. Even that. Buddy Lazier watches them, which is amazing. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's weird. Because I feel like I'm guilty by association because now people will walk up to me at, at IMS and know who I am. Mm-hmm. Actually, funny enough, funny story, at IMS for the Grand Prix on Saturday, this kid came up and he knew. And then he recognized me. He goes, hey, hi, you're Kevin, right? I'm like, yeah. He goes, you're stupid. I'm like, <laughs> why? He goes, you destroy the die cast. I'm like, Okay, I mean, I expected that at some point, and and then I made him a deal that he said that his least favorite driver was Robert Wickens, and I said, okay, I'll destroy Robert Wickens' car for you. Um, Now, if I do, I don't know, because that thing's 75 bucks, which is $10 more than retail. I'm estimating it's going to be 75 because of the red chrome, but I don't know if I'm going to do it, but I might. Um. There's a Dixon fan, and I follow him on Instagram. He does a, a little series, and um, he did watch the David Land's, it's like from a couple nights ago. All I remember from it was he was watching it. It was a night one. It was you, and I believe the person from the Rain Race podcast. Uh, no, was, that, 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 oh, did he sort of like I have a beard? I think so. He was like on his computer the whole time. That it was, was Krista Hardy. He is actually a journalist. Ah, uh, all I know was he was on his computer for like the whole time, and it was because he was looking at the speed. Yeah, that was Krista Hardy. He's a really cool, dude. Um, he's actually he he writes for the Noblesville Times, I think it is about Connor Daly. Um, and he also does some media stuff for IndyCar. He actually wrote an article recently that was kind of controversial to tell people to stop. Um, bitching about indie lights. Um, so I was watching that, and he was watching that, and of course he's a Dixon fan. But he took, oh. I believe, a Ryan Briscoe die cast, and it was a Camping World, and he turned it into a Scott Dixon rec version from last year. Yeah, from the last year Indy Five Hundred. Funny enough, um, I'm as infamously a Scott Dixon fan as well, um, and um, I got to interview for the Rain Race podcast, which, by the way, shout out to uh, Chris and Kyle over there, um, because they do run a really cool show. Um, am I allowed to do that? Yeah, you can. Like, we always mm-hmm. plug the Glass Gates of Motion podcast on here. Um, yeah. yeah, Chris, the Rain Race podcast, those guys are awesome. The show's awesome. They've had Zach Beach on their show. Um, yeah. and I, as a Dixon fan, I had the ultimate irony of interviewing Jay Howard today. Oh, gosh. And Jay Howard, listen, um, I was sitting in turn one when that accident happened, and I do not blame Jay Howard in the slightest. And Jay Howard is an awesome dude. Um, Mm-hmm. That one, the blame, in my opinion, falls on Ryan Harray, who forced Howard up high. And Howard actually did really get screwed last year by Schmidt by them running him out of fuel uh, in the first stint of the race. 
Um, so hopefully Jay Howard actually has a legitimate shot at it for the first time in his career. Cause 2010, he got screwed by Sarah Fisher, um, because they actually pulled his qualifying time when there was actually bumping. Um, and there was not enough time on the clock to requalify. So he was sort of just left out. Like he had a time that was in the field. They pulled him out and he didn't make it. And then he got a proper run in 2011. Well, sort of. Um, and then last year, you know, the Schmidt thing. So mm-hmm. hopefully he has a good run. I, I hope him all the best. And, you know, I don't wish anybody bad luck, really. Yeah. Um, unless, they, we... unless, they, unless they drive the number 63 donate life car. Pip him on. Yeah, I'm not. I, I don't really like her. I've. Every interaction I've had with her has been very negative. Um, I knew you were a Dixon fan because mm-hmm. you, you posted pictures of you just carrying your Scott Dixon 124 around everywhere with you. The 118? The PNC car? Yeah. The, PNC, the PNC car? Yeah, that one. Okay, funny enough, there hasn't even been renders of the 118 out yet. <laughs> and I still, I've had it for a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody, like, shits themselves when they see it. Um, be, and the funny story behind that was uh, Greenlight had this open house about a month ago. Um, and Greenlight's based here in Indianapolis as well. So, it, you know, it's pretty easy to get to. Um, yeah, you're lucky. So, Indianapolis. I live in Wyoming. You live in Indianapolis. I live in Wyoming where the closest tracks are either Portland or Phoenix. Yeah, I've been to Wyoming before uh, to visit some family friends. Uh, I flew out there. And there really isn't much, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I live in southwest Wyoming. And you look out one way, mountains and desert. The other way, mountains and desert. The other way, a mountain. The other way, mountains and desert. Indianapolis, there's a lot here. Um, and then if you go like 20 minutes away from the city, you got nothing but cornfields, which is kind of funny. Yeah, like I used to live in Illinois. So, oh, yeah, I'm from Illinois, actually. Where in? Um, it's this town called Highwood. It's about probably about half an hour north of Chicago. It's in the Highland Park area. I lived in Hillsboro for a year and a half, which is like right in the middle of Springfield and St. Louis. Oh, okay, so you were on the south end of the state. Yeah. So we're like and, really, we're from where we hailed from different uh, opposite ends of the state. Yeah. But anyways, uh, the Dixon car, um, they had this dice game where if you know if you. Whatever, like you had to roll two dice, and if you rolled like a two, you got I think like a pink card. If you rolled like a six or something, or if you rolled, or if you rolled a, lo- a low number, you got a certain number or a certain color card. If you roll an intermediate number, you you got a different color card, and if you rolled a very high number, you got a, a different color card for that as well. And the better you did, is the better free die cast you got. Um, like most of these were like defects or or even prototype well not really prototypes but just random cars and there was a bunch of 164s and me and diecast reviews who brody um who was with me we thought we had lucked out with that 
when we got 164s, but then we went back and we tried it again. Um, like they get, there's like, oh, since we were dressed as the Blues Brothers, which is like our thing, um, they said, oh, since you guys look awesome, here's a couple more uh, tickets to go again. And then I rolled enough for a free 124 and I cashed them in. And the lady's like, oh, sorry, um, we don't have any more 124. So just grab anything you want. Um, and about five minutes before that, we were checking out the garage sale. And I had just bought a $40 Fernando Alonso figure edition, which those things go for like 300 bucks on eBay. So I felt okay. like I lucked out majorly with that, plus the free 2018 164s. Well, Brody, when he walked back, he noticed the PNC cars. So as soon as she said that I could grab whatever I wanted, I instantly picked up the Dixon car and I bolted. <laughs> like it's, a, it's only the prototype. Yeah. You bolted like his scheme from 2016. Yeah, probably a little bit faster though. Um, so it, it's like this ongoing joke between us, between the friends that I quote unquote stole the car, even though I um, exploited the rules, is what I like to call it. Like she said, just grab anything you want, and the Dixon car kind of was there, but it was sitting behind the shelf, but on the same cabinet. So I. You know, I kind of exploited what she said, and I grabbed it, and I ran. And they haven't asked for it back yet, either. Well, um, if I in Indianapolis, I'll have to try this and hopefully get a Rossi. Because um, right now, all I have is the Rossi 2017, the Marco from 2016, and then the Dixon Bolt... Oh and yeah, then that a, car that car has become rare from what I've heard. Yeah, I got it when it was like I got that when it was not rare. And then I have Canon's last Chevy, sort of. Last Chevy with Ganassi. Oh, okay. So the twenty sixteen car. That car looked a lot better on the um mm-hmm. and then I do a series and I have like 10 cars. I know I have the daily number four from last year. Um, yeah. By the way, um, Connor still, whenever Connor does another, like some sort of karting event or whatever, um, he will still use his um, AJ Foyt helmet with the ABC, ABC supply company on the visor. However, it's crossed out funny enough. Um, so yeah, I do an IndyCar series and I'm using that as lice. I have Hinchcliffe's car. I have Pagino's one car. Um, I have Castroneves' Hitachi car from last year. Um, and a few others I can't remember right now. I'll say this much. The new diecast that Greenlight have come out with have been phenomenal. They weigh a lot more than the uh, Aero Kit cars. They're, they feel proper quality you know they've actually gone up in quality in my opinion um they've actually completely redone the cars even the suspension on the cars are different um so you know and they also cost less so you know it's kind of funny i have a question about the 164s Mm -hmm. Um, 
Do they have a metal rear wing? Yes. Okay. Because one of the problems I have is with my brothers, my the rear rings of my cars are always falling off, so mm-hmm. I'll have to super glue them back on. So that's nice to hear because I don't want to have to be super glued back on it when I do get start to get new mm-hmm. Universal Aero Kit cars. Yeah, they are metal. Um, the only complaint I have is the roll hoop. Um, they, it's just if you look at it from the front, they're like, it just looks like a piece of metal. Um, we know that they can do a open roll hoop on a one sixty four because they did it with the Champ Car one sixty fours back in the day. But mm-hmm. um, I'm not complaining too much. It's an easy thing to rectify. All you need is a sharpie. It's sort of like how they did not add the airbox de- detail to most of the one sixty fours last year. You can rectify that by using a Sharpie and it looks better. You just poke a little or you use the Sharpie and make a little dot. And that's what I do um, because it does look better in the end. Yeah, maybe. um, Oh, what's his name? Uh, Donahue. um, Joe Donahue? Yes, him in his IndyCar scene. Maybe he'll do that. Joe is an awesome person. Yeah, I think I had a car in his series for one year, and then I like barely missed out, and I was the one, and I had some pretty good finishes, and I actually messaged him on Instagram about how to say my name, because I know so many people will say it Whittaker, and it bugs me, because I don't like it when people mispronounce my last name, even though it it happens so much because yeah, I'm the same way. Honestly, um, there's I've heard a lot of different pronunciations, um, but it's Rollins, and that's the way to say it. But you said it's spot on at the beginning, I believe. Actually, I don't I don't remember, but I you know I think you did, so I'll give you props for that. Um, yeah. My life's a blur during the month of May, so I don't really remember what happened five minutes ago. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I've but been the funny waiting. thing with the, oh, I was going to say, the funny thing with the Dixon car was I got it signed, and uh, Dixon was in a rush to get to a uh, meeting, and I had the Dixon car out, like, as out of the transporters, which not many people know, you can actually go to the transporters without a bronze badge, um, and he pointed to me, and he uh, fingered me over, and he asked me where I got it, mm-hmm. because Ganassi has not even seen the prototype yet. Well, I don't think they were supposed to, or I don't think they did anyways because I own it now. So um, I was the one autograph he signed during that time period and it was really cool. And he complimented it and all that stuff. So Dixon's a really cool guy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, now I know that if I ever mm-hmm. go to an IndyCar race, I'll have to try to get into the transporters. Um, I don't know how it is at other races. I know it, at Indianapolis because the, with, the deal with Indy is you cannot get in the garages unless you have like a bronze badge or a special pass or something um, or a media badge or anything like that. But the easiest way to get in the garages is with the bronze badge. But the transporter area is pretty much open to everybody. But the common belief is that you have to have a bronze badge to get in. 
but you don't. You can just walk in. The gr- they don't really care unless until you actually go to get in the garages. So it's sort of like you can, att- you know, I don't want to use the term, but you can entrap the drivers at the haulers. <laughs> yeah, I've always wanted to go to races of any sort. I mean, NASCAR or IndyCar. I mean, that would be so fun. And I've never been – the only races I've ever been to is the local races – and the local races are fun within themselves. Like, I'll go to dirt races every so often because it is something different, you know. Um, and I, lo- I like team- local level racing. Yeah, and then a local team up here in Wyoming, they told me that, hey, I could be on their pit crew, like, just sort of like as a water boy, sort of. But, I mean, that's going to be awesome, I mean, I'll be missing, like, the 600, but I'll be able to see the 500 and then go out to some races. Yeah. I mean, the the thing, the weird thing is um, many people of Scott Dixon's crew know me. <laughs> like, I can't go up to the penthouse without Scott Dixon's spotter, um, Robbie Fast, um, actually, like, talking to me. Um, it's kind of funny. You know, once you get, like, once you sort of establish yourself in the paddock, like, everybody knows you. And it's kind of funny. Like, Hinchcliffe knows me by, Hinchcliffe knows me by name, which is actually kind of cool. Um, you know, I, I, I picture every time that I say that, like, that one guy from Cars, Mario Andretti knows my name. You have to let me in now. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um which me and Hinch actually have sort of a bet going on right now, which is kind of funny. Man, that would be awesome. Like walking through the paddock and just having someone look at me and say, Hey John, that would be yeah, awesome. it really is kind of, it's thrilling because you're like, wow, I, you know, people that, you know, I watched on TV and then, you know, watching a race and thought they were so cool know me and it's like awesome yeah and i mean especially hinchcliffe hinch is he's my second favorite driver because of his personality and he's a good driver too but his personality makes it like me and him have sort of this little bet going like so on instagram we've had me and brody have had this little autograph war going on yeah i saw that it, it's gone pretty it's been pretty interesting we signed i signed you jordan signed, taylor you signed tires i signed an audi r8 um that well the tire of the audi r8 from magnus racing and imsa is i signed Gerard barbosa's sock before he got in the car it's just it's gone weird level then i um actually seen hinchcliffe who is brody's favorite driver I was like, hey, man, can I sign your arm to finish this? And he goes, sure, under one condition. And I'm like, okay, what? He goes, I can sign your arm, too. Okay. And then he signed, I signed him, he signs me, and he goes, okay, so here's the, here's the deal. If I win the 500, you have to get that tattooed on your arm. Oh. So, I said, deal. <laughs> that would be awesome. Like, that's a like the only reason I said deal is like think about that story. Yeah, just like yeah, 
uh, Hinchcliffe let me sign his arm, but he said I had to sign his arm. And if he won the 500, I could, I got it tattooed on my arm. Where he and, signed. <laughs> yeah. And no, he won the 500. So now I have this tattoo of Hinchcliffe's autograph. autograph yeah. Um, and we sort like he, I seen him today when I was waiting for Jay Howard. He goes, is the bet still on? I go, Fuck yeah, it is, man. Yeah. Um. Any the month of May is an awesome month. I love May. I have waited for May ever since my birthday, and which is in February, by the way. And whenever May comes along, I get one song stuck in my head in particular. I am uh, in. Oh yeah, I, that's a throwback right there. Yeah, that um, and oh, what is it? Back home again in Indiana. Yeah, I'm glad that they brought Cornelson back for this year. He nailed it last year. <clears throat> okay, so I I do want to talk about Danica Patrick. Yeah, she. All right, so funny story. And again, we're gonna reference Hinchcliffe here because last year. Um, so to preface this story, during one of the test days last year, we seen this drunk guy and Hinchcliffe, uh, and he was wearing Hinchcliffe gear. So Hinchcliffe posed with next to him as he is passed out drunk in the uh, viewing mounds. And that screenshot made it on Hinchtown. And actually, me and Brody posed next to him as well after Hinch did. We also made it on Hinchtown. So while we were waiting to get Fernando's autograph at like 8 o'clock at night on the first day of practice last year for the 500, um, the, we seen the guy and he handed us prints of the screenshot. So we were like, okay, let's go see if Hinch is around to get these signed. And we seen him. So this was the night, or this was the day after the Kansas, or two days after the Kansas wreck uh, with Danica, how she kept talking about herself, mm-hmm. um, which was embarrassing. And then we, so um, we brought it up to Hinchcliffe and um, he said, Oh yeah, I hope she never comes back to IndyCar because she's a bitch. Mm. So what? Queue up one year later. Here she is. I'm gonna laugh. Damn it, James! You 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 jinxed it, man. I'm gonna laugh when Hinchcliffe wrecks Danica in the middle of the 500. Well, then I don't have to get a tattoo. No, it's like he wrecks her on the last lap and wins. That's a long shot. Um, we'll get into the new cars here in a minute. Um, but I can tell you from the two experiences that she is. But I can actually, I actually understand it because when I got there, I just seen the crowd and I was sitting there just like admiring the fact that there's a Fernando sized crowd for Danica on day one. And so she comes out, she says, I'll be right back. I see you guys. I'll sign for you guys here in a minute. And people literally follow her into the bathroom. (laughs) So I would be, I'd be little miss hate, which by the way, was her nickname at Andretti Autosport. I would be little miss hate as well. If people followed me into the bathroom, when I just told them I will be right back. So I can understand where her frustration comes from. That reminds me of a story. Do you watch NFL at all? Yes, sometimes. So, do you know that uh, Cam Newton comes from Auburn University? Yeah. So, 
a YouTuber I watch, not the expert, he goes to Auburn. And, like, his first day, Newton went back after getting drafted so he could finish his degree. So he goes back and, not the expert, he's going to the bathroom to just go to the bathroom. In the stall next room is Cam Newton. and But he keeps his eyes looking forward because of the thing, look straight or yo gay. So he didn't really even get to meet Cam Newton. He just saw Cam Newton in the bathroom right next to him. Yeah. Um, you know, I like I said, I kind of understand where Danka's frustration comes from. Um, because there's a here's my tip to everybody listening. Um, treat drivers like human beings. Don't treat them like they're gods. You know, I mean, I'm sure we I know we all look up to the drivers because they do something that they put their lives on the line for this. But treat them like human beings and be cool with them. And, you know, don't follow them to the bathroom. That's creepy. Like, God. And by the way, these guys um, to go not to go on a little not to go on too much of a tirade, but these guys who followed her in the bathroom are I'm pretty sure are autograph sharks who were just in it to make money. The ironic part about that is last year, the whole ordeal with Danica about how, oh, I don't have to autograph. It's not my job to autograph for you guys. That's just. It's true, though. It's not their job to autograph. They do that because they want to. It's their choice. They don't get. Okay, well. Sometimes they don't get paid to do it. Um, sometimes they do get paid to do it. But, um, you know, if they don't want to autograph, don't have a bad opinion about them because of that. It's just they don't want to do it. It's their choice. You know, Juan Montoya is notorious for not wanting to autograph. And yeah. it's his choice. He's still a damn good driver. And I'm not going to, you know, hate him because he doesn't want to autograph my diecast toy. That's like um, Marshawn Lynch. He is a really good football player, but he does not want to go into the press. So don't say, oh, we are not going to let you play unless – or we're going to fine you if you don't go and do this media – press media conference. Yeah. I mean – one guy that I know notoriously is um, disliked by quite a few NASCAR fans is Kyle Larson. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he really, really acts like he doesn't want to be there whenever he has to do a uh, event uh, where it involves autograph signing. And, you know, there's a, you know, it's Larson. And, you know, I respect the fact that he would rather do World of Outlaws than the Daytona 500. And a lot of people are outraged by that. But also, a lot of people worship Kyle Larson like he's the best thing ever. And he's not. Yeah, I mean, just look at his nickname. The Last True Racer. No, he's not. There's a lot of people that are great racers that are... And there's a lot of people up and coming through the ranks that are fantastic racers. So, Kyle Larson is not the last great racer um, by a long shot. Yeah, and something I want to talk sort of like, about. It's sort of like how IndyCar is pushing Joseph Newgarden. Yeah. 
he's this next great American star of IndyCar. What about Alexander Rossi? Statistically, Rossi is more. Um, statistically, Rossi is better. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and plus just, Rossi has won the Grand Stage. Yeah, I mean, you can. You don't even have to look at the paper. You can just look at the races. I mean, even though so far this New Garden has more wins, just look. Rossi yeah. was the fastest in St. Pete. He was the fastest at Phoenix. He was the fastest at Long Beach. Statistically, Rossi is the best. And the reason that Rossi is not being pushed down our throats like Newgarden is is because Rossi doesn't fit the American-style look that they want. He's not a blonde, young, pretty boy. Yeah, I mean... That's, that's what IndyCar wants to push down our throats. But Rossi has done more in a very much shorter amount of time. I mean, Newgarden, he has been with Carpenter, and then he went to Penske. I mean, sure, if you look at before Rossi was really well-known, when there was that big crash with Newgarden, he came back and he won a race with his injured wrist. Still, I mean, it's been a really short period of time compared to Newgarden's. He's had a longer time to really get out there, get a name for himself. And Rossi well, really, he's done they more. Start, they really didn't start pushing Newgarden until he went to Team Penske because really Newgarden really wasn't that the best when it came to driving with ECR. He was sort of that typical quiet midfielder. But then he went to Team Penske and then they started pushing down our throats. And it's even worse now that he won the championship. And I'm not saying that Joseph Newgarden is a bad driver. Because Newgarden, as a person, I've met him. He is really cool. And he is, you know, I believe he deserved the championship. But I am pissed off about the way that Marshall Pruitt and uh, Robin Miller and NBCSN are pushing him down the throat, our throats like he's the best American racer out there right now. And he's not. Yeah, I mean, he had, what, a good five years at... At least. Sarah Fisher and, and Ed Carpenter. Yeah, and then he wasn't really that well known up until the wreck between him and Connor Daly. And then Penske hires him and he's just like, oh my gosh, look at this guy. He is the next Mario Andretti, which he's not. As David Lane has said, it is. Here's the thing that infuriated me. When at Long Beach, when they did the tribute to Dan Gurney, when Robin Miller started talking about New Garden as there's like there's still hope for the American racer pool or some crap like that. No, this is about Dan Gurney. This isn't about New Garden. So shut up. Mm-hmm. Do you have the rest of the race to go talk about Joseph New Garden, which I'm pretty sure that they did? Yeah, but this was about Dan Gurney and somebody who literally impacted every form of motorsport that you could think of, except for motorcycle racing. And New Garden didn't even do that good at Long Beach. I mean, he had, like, a top-ten car, yeah, but he wasn't one of the top three all day, like Rossi was, and Dixon, and Bourdais. They were the top three pretty much all day until the incident later on in the – a couple incidents later on in the race, the penalty and the – 
wreck. That and here's week. the thing. New Garden is sort of like, and I'm actually trying to think of a proper example. New Garden is like Chase Elliott. And what I mean by that is he's not annoying. His fans are annoying. Yeah. They New keep Garden. talking like Al or they keep talking like New Garden is, you know, the the greatest of the DW twelve era and blah 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 and all this other shit. And no, he's not the greatest of the DW twelve era. Will Power currently is, but you gotta look at, you know, other great guys. And by the way, stop comparing Sebastian Borde to Scott Dixon. Okay, I'm a Dixon fan. Uh, but I also like Borde. Borde is, you know, an amazing human being. You know, the when he he the fact that he's come back so um so well from his indie crash last year. You know, I seen Borde just today letting a little kid in the garage area, just some random little kid, come in the garage area and sit in his car. Mm-hmm. You know, that's so cool. Um but they come from two different disciplines. Borde got all of his success in Champ Car. Dixon yeah. got all of his success in IndyCar before the merger happened. Um, Borde is a fantastic driver. He, he he continues to prove that, and so is Dixon. But they each got their success in two different disciplines of open-wheel racing. Mm-hmm. Now, the- I just want to say, of the DW12 area era, Truly, the best team all around has been Team Penske. Because even if you look at all around, they did get a lot of wins. But they got their most wins in the DW12 era. And just at the uh, Grand Prix, they got their 100, Mm -hmm. or not 100, their 200 win. Which is like 100 more than the next team, which is Ganassi. Yeah. The thing with Team Penske is... The DW12s um, suited them pretty well. Um, and especially the arrow kits, because they really, really played around with the arrow kits. Um, they tried so many weird things to make the cars work. And funny enough, the new car that we're racing now, the IR18, it was announced over a year ago. And they were actually playing with the covered air channel last month of May. Mm hmm. So they were experimenting for stuff with this car last year and getting data on it, which I found very interesting. Um, But Team Penske, they are the best because they do strive for perfection. And I'm a Ganassi fan wholeheartedly. Um, But they are a very formidable opponent. They do strive for for perfection. Um, It's hard to pronounce things after a long day at the track, man. Um, And, you know... Roger Penske has built a fantastic organization and he has deserved most of those wins that he has. I'm not saying all of them, uh, 2002 Indy 500. Um, but at the same time, you know, he is the best. Now I want to know about the 2002 Indy 500 cause I haven't been back that far to watch races and I was only born in two. P is an all-around good team. I mean, they have a lot of wins in NASCAR. I mean, they have their All-Star Race win and so many other big wins. And then IndyCar, they just hit 200, which is more than any other current team. And, the like, 60 of those, which is a a really good amount, more than half have gone with two drivers. 
who go by the names of Helio Castaneves and Will Power. Oh, yeah, because, you know, Will Power, you know, he was one of those guys that came over from, from Champ Car. Um, and he really started with Dragon Racing, and then which is run by Jay Penske, Roger's son, and he's just sort of hung on, and that Verizon sponsorship has helped him out massively as well. And Helio, you know, he hasn't gone anywhere because, hell, he won the Indy 500 as a rookie, um, and then he quote-unquote backed it up. And the issue with 2002, I'll explain that real fast, was um, this was during when the split was really in its nitty-gritty in terms of um, Champ Car versus IndyCar. And you had Paul Tracy, who was from Champ Car, in the Indy 500, which was run by IndyCar. And um, they there was a crash on the final lap of the race. And Paul Tracy had gotten around Helio Castroneves and they threw the caution after Paul Tracy had gotten around. However, IndyCar reverted the the uh, timing and scoring to the previous lap. Wow. So, in theory, Paul Tracy won the race because he was the first one to complete 500 miles. However, because of timing and scoring reverting back to the previous lap, Helio Castroneves won. Hmm. And there was a large legal battle over it, too. And which, by the way, the entrance for that car was Team Green. That would later become Andretti Green, and what we now know as Andretti Autosport. Okay. Just give me a second, real quick here. Nothing. Yeah. Um, my mom just wanted to tell me that the season finale of my favorite show, Station 19, is on right now. But um, I do want to get your opinion on something. And I know Dave, what David would say, but I want to know what you would say. Will Helio follow, continue with your path? Of, I, I always get confused. Is it? Rick Mears or Al Hunter and win his fourth Indy 500 this year. I believe it's Mears. And, you know, I know David, David's had this theory for over a year now. Mm -hmm. He's a very formidable contender for this year's race, but I don't think so. I honestly could see it going to Rossi. I mean, I will definitely be champ for Helio. And um, this is really his last shot, too. Um, however, honestly, with Helio, it's sort of hit and miss. Mm-hmm. He really hasn't been particularly fast all month. But again, the practices really don't show much at all. Because first off, you have guys like Sebastian Bourdais and Dale Coyne sandbagging um, is pretty blatant, too. Um you know, it, and it, it just goes so many different ways. Plus, you have the Armadas with Andretti, and then you have the Penske Brigade, the Ed Carpenter, whatever you want to call that three-car lineup. Um, you know, it's really about making the headlines on who was fastest that day and also experimenting with race setups. Really, we're going to start to see everybody's hand tomorrow if we get running in. I'm saying if because of the rain. 
Yeah, rain's been really bad here in Wyoming, too. I mean, we almost got a thunderstorm here today, and we've been getting a lot of thunderstorms lately, which is surprising. You don't really On Tuesday, of- they threw the red flag for a potential weather event. I've never heard that before. Hmm. But it did. we did lose about 45 minutes or so, I believe, to that. Um, but it was potential weather. And funny enough, the spotters thought we was going to get head on, hit head on by a thunderstorm. So they said, all right, screw it. We're going home. And the spotters are the best when it comes to seating. Like you want to be near the spotters because the banter is amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really are fantastic to listen to. And you learn quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, especially you, if you want to see entertaining, you should see the Andretti spotters during the Armada times. Um, something I Which, found. By the way, oh, go ahead. Go. Oh, I was just gonna say something about the the code, but, but I can't speak. You know what I'm talking about. Um, the Armada thing. The Andretti spotters actually hate Team Penske because they, um. I believe it was Wednesday, so day two. Um, the Armadas went out, and Simon Pagano cut out in front or in the middle of them. So they actually kind of let Pagano go so they could run their own little pack. But Pagano actually purposefully slowed up and then got right back in the middle of the pack every time the Armada let him go away. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Pagano would go out in front, then he'd slip to the middle, out in front, and slip to the middle. And it irritated the ever-loving Christ out of Andretti. Uh, something that I found really interesting that Indy Motor Speedway is doing, and I don't know if this was just a predict, predict, pre- pre- projection or not. I can't speak either. But on the Pagoda, it said, this is May. It had the 100 second of the running of the Indy 500 logo on it, and then it had this is Indy on it. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, they do that every year now. Um, that's a uh, decal that they put on the pagoda. The, actually, they, we have this hotel in downtown Indianapolis called the JW Marriott. It's all glass. So, And they put up a giant logo of that on there as well. Um, it's really a giant advertisement, but it, they do it on the pagoda every year. They start it with the 100th running, and it has been it's sort of stuck there. Um and they've done it every year since. And it's a really cool thing. And I actually got to watch them put it up during the test days. And it takes them about a full day to put it up. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the Pagoda, that's pretty big. That's and story building. Yeah. I mean, they cover, like, the entire section that's glass. Except for, they even do the very bottom. You can see they have, like, presented by Tag Hewer on the bottom. Yeah, and actually, Tag Heuer is the new um, is the new sponsor of the Pagoda. It used to be Panasonic, but now it's uh, Tag Heuer. Sorry, I was saying that wrong. I'm still pretty new to the IndyCar thing. It yeah, um, I used to say it's Tag Heuer as well. Um, back when they sponsored Audi Sport at Le Mans. Um, but you know, it took me a while listening to Lee Diffie say it that I got Tag Heuer. Yeah, because I really started to get into IndyCar in 2015. Of course, back then, I was really only a NASCAR fan. 
And so, of course, it also would we were flying, and we also had the acrobatic show known as the Chevys. Yeah, and uh, I was, of course, cheering on Juan Montoya, so because NASCAR, he drove NASCAR, and the only really driver that I knew of other than Montoya was none of them. And so I just cheered on Montoya, and I just started to really get into IndyCar, and now I could name a lot of drivers. And uh, speaking of, something that you might know a decent amount about, um, Pietro Fittipaldi, he had a really bad crash. Yeah, at the WEC race at Spa. Actually, he was qualifying for that race. Yeah. He was driving a brand new LMP1 car. Like th- this was the first race for that car and it just broke. And it went straight on at, at Eau Rouge and that was a hard hit. And he yeah. fractured both of his legs. Yeah, the car didn't even slow down. It hit the tire barrier. And like for a good five yards, there was just parts scattered across the racetrack. Yeah, LMP cars, like the one he uh, crashed in, are very, very agile. They're very strong. So for him to fracture his legs, that they had to have been a massive, massive amount of Gs on that car. Yeah, it's like it didn't even slow down. You couldn't the even car just it. broke. It's very evident if you watch the replay back. The headlights actually turn off when it breaks. Yeah, and I mean... That was a hard, like, I mean, there are pre- a lot of predictions so far for who's going to be in the 19 car for Indianapolis. It's confirmed DeMello? Yeah, that was confirmed on Tuesday. Actually, there was a lot of different names on the list of people who could replace them. The most prominent one was Ryan Briscoe. That I I would have liked to see Briscoe in that. The, the last thing with Briscoe is uh, he races for Ford, Chip Ganassi Racing, and IMSA, and Chip Ganassi would not let that happen. Mm. Not to mention Dixon and Bourdais also race for Ford, Chip Ganassi Racing. And immediately after the 500, they have to fly out to Circuit de la Sarce in Le Mans, France to, for the Le Mans test day. They barely get a day off after the 500. This makes like no sense to me because one driver for um, Dale Coyne, uh, of course, Bourdais, can drive for Chipinasi, but the other driver that drives for Chipinasi can't drive for Dale Coyne. No sense to me whatsoever. Um, well, the thing about that is. Ryan Briscoe is a full-season driver for Ganassi over in the IMSA program. However, Bourdais is endurance only. And not to mention, it, that I'm pretty sure it was in the contract stipulation that he could race for Coin. But, you know, in that sense, though, with Briscoe, is he would be leased out to um, Dale Coyne instead of, um, instead of actually racing full-time. Mm-hmm. It's really... You know, the driver mix and matching, it's really a game of politics. Um, and Ryan Briscoe really kind of got the short end of the stick there. Uh, yeah, I mean, the last – at this point, really, all Briscoe is remembered for in IndyCar is that crash at Auto Club. 
Well, not just that. I'm well. Okay, yeah, just that actually. I mean, I I yeah. haven't watched that race, but I watched highlights of it, and man, I, I mean, that I, entire race was wild. I suggest you watch the entire race. It was a I, amazing race. Like 2016, 2017, I was I had to take a sick day. So I went up to my brother's room and turned on that race and I just watched like the entire thing and that was truly a crazy race. Yeah, because again, the arrow kits were still in their second iteration at that point because you had the early season ones where they were in their first and then the indie flips happened yeah. and the oval configurations changed dramatically. Yeah, because uh, they prevent that, that from happening. So they were in their second iteration and you had four, five wide. It was ridiculous. And the reason that Briscoe flipped um, was because the car actually dug into the ground. Yeah. I mean, that was it like... Wasn't, it wasn't because of the arrow on the car, the aerodynamics. It was because the car actually dug into the ground with the nose. Yeah. And, I mean, I was thinking just like a month or two ago, like... Man, they did all that work on the Chevy Aero Kit to fix it up to get it so that one flip as much, not anymore, but not at nowhere near as much. And then Briscoe flips, and it's like, well, you didn't do anything to Honda. Well, Honda was very stable. They they really didn't have they didn't have ramps inside their wheel pods or their bumper pods, excuse me, that um actually caused lift because the thing with Chevy was they actually had legitimate ramps that um, were broader at the um, top end and got narrower as you got down. So it's a slope really inside the pod that once it got backwards, it allowed air to get under the tires and lift the car up. Honda didn't have anything like that. They had small channels in their pods, but they did. It wasn't, it wasn't causing lift if it got backwards, because again, the opposite of downforce is lift. Yeah. And, like, and even on the die casts, you can see the where the channel would be. Because, like, the Honda bumper pods, it's just, like, the, the entire back is just closed. Like, on the die cast, well, a little blip, and then that's where the air channel would be. The die cast representations are not the best to compare the aero kits because the the... Chevys were based off of the 2015 cars, and the Hondas were based off of the 2016 cars. Mm-hmm. So Honda dramatically reworked their oval kit and their road course kit, for that matter, um, between 2015 and 2016, to where they were complete, where they um, visually look similar to the normal person. You wouldn't tell it; you could not tell the difference. But to someone like um, us, it's very different. Um, so the comparing the diecast really isn't a proper representation, but two notes 2015 was not really a good year for IndyCar because you had the um Chevy's flipping at Indy, you had the very unfortunate Justin Wilson incident, yeah, Rest in um, yeah, that was bad. I remember that race and I try not to. Yeah, um, watch the race, but I watched the wreck after seeing everything 
that David Land was doing for that. And I watched that wreck and I'm like, I mean, it makes sense why, but they need to really make these cars more durable. And like, it makes sense. Well, the thing with with Wilson is it was one of those freak accidents where he got hit in the head by the nose cone of Sage Karam's car. Um, It's one of those things that it's like one in a million of happening where it's it's that specific part, the nose cone itself actually hitting Justin in the head. Um, Now, if there's ever a bittersweet part to the story, it's the fact that Justin saved lives of several people by donating organs. Um, That's like the bright spot in the story. Um, But it also kind of pushed the um, open wheel uh, driver safety thing where now we have the halo, which, by the way, the talks for the halo really didn't pick up until Wilson passed away. Yeah. Um, and now we're seeing the arrow screen, which is at least a year to a year and a half off um, based off of what we've seen so far. There's still a lot of work to do with it, but it's still better than the Halo. Wasn't Joseph Newgarden faster mm-hmm. with the arrow screen? No, that was a bullshit story brought up by Marshall Pruitt. So actually, he was pretty well on pace, but he was not faster. Mm. Um, um, yeah, those nose cones are pretty heavy, and to... they weigh about the front wing itself of an IndyCar weighs about 20 pounds. Yeah, and just to see the like the crew members when they are replacing the wing, mm-hmm. just to see the one person lifting that, and it looks so easy, but it would like you think your life would be so heavy, and then to like put it on there perfectly without messing up or anything. That has to be difficult. That would take a lot of training. Well, the, changing the nose cones now, by the way, IndyCar has implemented something. They've actually put a tether inside the nose cone to keep it from just flying off. So, again, they made some safety improvements since the Wilson accident um, to where if there was a crash like that again, the nose cone would not go too far from the car because again there's a tether in there so like how there's a tethers on the wheels of formula one cars mm-hmm. um and they also have this cable that now runs to the nose cam so changing the front nose is more complicated than it used to be because again there's that tether and all the other crap yeah um, that'd be like the hood in nascar where if you get in your wreck your hood won't really fly off because it's like got the like ropes inside that will keep it on the car sort of yeah again those ropes are tethers um and that's pretty much the same principle which by the way it's stupid that they're not that they now banned um saws from the pit lane and or from using saws on nascars it's just stupid yeah i mean that that's just idiotic and while we're on the topic of nose cones i just want to bring up a post you put and you might have seen that i commented this but you had posted like a carpenter racing and you had collaged the three together and you said like the i think you said like the front bumper of danica's car and i said i put like, oh no that wasn't a collage that was the actual car on the test day that was the actual way it ran mm. um what they did was they had ed or they had Ed Carpenter's car with Danica's front wing and Spencer Piggott driving the car. Hmm. It was a one of those 
and we, this happens actually quite a bit in IndyCar during uh, practice and testing where you will have, for instance, Ryan hunter Ray, and this is an actual example from this week, using Marco Andretti's front wing, or you'll have um, – this happened last year. You'll have Joseph Newgarden running Pagano's front wing in his uh, rear wing. It happens quite a bit because different drivers will will help – or pretty much they're helping set up the cars for their teammates. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but I put the asterisk and I put nose cone because you put like bumper or front wing and really it was like the whole nose cone. So I just said put asterisk nose cone. It was the whole front wing that was the same uh, on off of Danica's car because it has that little pink line on the end plate. Um, but I mean, it's no big deal, really. It was cool to see, though. Yeah, that would be Spencer Piggott setting up Danica's front wing, uh, mm-hmm. and Ed Carpenter's whole car. Because mm-hmm. again, uh, all that information is transferable between cars. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I would be cool mm-hmm. to see, and NBCSN, if you are listening, which you're probably not, take note. They might because I'm here. You never yeah. know. <laughs> Should be aired. Oh, yeah. Okay, there's an exception to that. And that would the be the only manufacturer testing. Yeah. Like, rookies, okay, so that, that should be aired. And then, like, the testing that's after the Grand Prix, that all mm-hmm. should be aired. Um, stuff like the practice days, the test days where they're just, you know, they have the open tests at IMS. The qualifying, all that stuff should be live streamed. Um, stuff that should not be live streamed really just comes down to, in my opinion, the manufacturer test where Chevy and Honda will select what drivers they want to run to run various configurations on the engines and stuff. That should be left off because, again, it's a private testing sort of scenario. Even though Chevy and Honda share the same track, they should not be allowed to, you know, be able to spy on what each other's doing because that keeps the series interesting now that we don't have the arrow kits. Yeah. Which, honestly, and I've heard this in the paddock, that Chevy has come with a very strong engine package for this year's 500. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's very evident that they have because this is the most balanced it's been in a couple years between the two manufacturers. Yeah, I mean, it's really shocking because wasn't Castro Neves the top in one of the tests recently? Um, well, I don't think so, honestly. Or in, in the practice days, I know Tony Kanan has been the fastest no-toe. Yeah, I saw that. In the toe. He was the fastest during the test days a couple weeks back. And toe and in no-toe as well. Um you know, Marco was fastest yesterday. Graham was fastest today, but Chevy's have been right up there with the Hondas, and that's something we have not seen for a while. Yeah. So we're going to have a very interesting 500, and I need to find any way possible to get to Indianapolis next year because all this would be awesome to see just being in Indiana and Indianapolis for an entire month. I mean, this year it was really – more than a month, because didn't they start like a day before May started? Well, my month of May theoretically started um, back in April because 
they had um, back in March, they had testing for IndyCar at the road course, and they was going to have them at the Oval. Well, the Oval tests, they got canceled due to pending weather, which was a snowstorm, which is kind of funny. Um, so they moved it back to April. And so the tests happened in April, including Danica's rookie orientation. Um, and then right after that, the weekend after the IndyCar tests, uh, I went to IMSA at Mid-Ohio and I seen Helio Castroneves uh, and the Team Penske Acura win. And then right after that, IndyCar started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that would just be awesome to be in Indianapolis for like pretty much the entire month. It just mm-hmm. to watch all mm-hmm. the testing and practices, the GP, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I agree with David, it should either be eliminated or move to the mm-hmm. final race of the season. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my opinion on IMS is it's not that special for me uh, to go to IMS anymore because I literally live 10 minutes down the road, literally down the same road from IMS. Um, mm-hmm. it's not that special because I go there all the time. However, for someone like you, it would be the coolest thing ever because you've never been and it, you know, the history of the place, it's still awesome to see the cars run. It's always fantastic, but it's not special for me, but for someone like you, who's never been, or for someone like, you know, uh, race day 2011, who doesn't live here, who only comes here once a year, you know, it's still special for him. And that's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, of course I did see you after Robbie with his flight getting Mm -hmm. uh, canceled and he should be in Indianapolis soon. I did see that on his Instagram and, so, can't wait to see the pictures that he gets because he always gets mm-hmm. some cool pictures. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. He sort, he, sort of, he sort of quit diecast reviewing to go into photography, which, you know, great for Rob. I've, you know, he's had a lot of great help from various people um, on taking pictures. And I think it's kind of like an ongoing joke that my Instagram account is named Kevin's Racing Photos, and I barely ever post my own racing photos. Mm-hmm. It's mainly Robbie's. Huh? It's mainly Robbie's. No, I just post various stuff that I see, and it's kind of funny. And I also like to mess with uh, people when it comes to diecast destroying, which is really funny. Um, people hate me for it, and it, I love it. <laughs> Yeah, um, Mm -hmm. something that I saw, and I watched this actually twice, and it was uh, Coke Zero Cup Series, Carter Adelman's, his um, video of all the things they got from Robbie, and he had gotten so many of the photos from Robbie's trips to, like, Pocono and Indianapolis, and that just shows you how many, not only photos, but how good of the photos they are that Robbie gets. Yeah. I mean, Rob has progressed into a pretty decent photographer. Um, you know, uh, he needed to get the right equipment. And now that he has that, he's pretty well set. I mean, you know, I look forward to seeing Rob here in literally a day. Yeah. I mean, 
I've been a fan of like this whole, I guess it's like a crew for so long because it started with David and then it really went to Robbie and then it's like the whole like circle and it would be so cool to just like go to Indianapolis and hang out with you guys like because he's doing the live IndyCar Red Pill almost like daily now and no vlog like every year. It's become like an annual thing. I mean, I'm so, so honored to be a part of that crew um, and to be with those guys and to be able to hang out with those guys on a regular basis and, you know, be included in that group. It's such an honor to be alongside those guys because um, they really are the, you know, the group that everybody looks to. And it's so cool to be a part of it. And, it's so weird actually like being recognized by random people in the garages and at IMS and various racetracks. It's kind of weird because I never thought I'd actually be in that position, but you know, it's so cool at the same time. And, you know, um, I know David loves his fans. I love my fans and I also love my haters because they keep things entertaining. And, you know, I'm so glad to be a part of that group. Because really, I didn't even become a part of that group until about two years ago. Yeah, I mean, I watch, like, the Pocono vlog, and I see everybody, and I'm like, man, I can, like, imagine myself being there at the Pocono Raceway with all of them, sitting in the stands, watching as they go down the super long front straightaway, and just watching them go by with, like, David, mm-hmm. and then... I, I can't remember who it was. Like like two years ago, he was wearing the red Pennzoil crew shirt. I can't remember who it was exactly. And like that would kind of be like me, except for I'd be wearing the blue and yellow Rossi. Yeah. Um, hold on, sorry, I'm looking at Instagram. I it's funny because like people um at the speedway like that know me know that I have like a different Jersey for every day, but I saved the Scott Dixon ones for the very end or mm-hmm. for the very important days, like qualifying and race day. Yeah. And, um, the Dixon fan nine, the fan I told you about earlier. Yeah. I've, I've seen him around. Yeah. He's from what I, from what I've seen, I get the impression that he's a pretty cool guy. Yeah. And he is. And he's like, I saw his post. He's like, I finally got my Dixon jersey. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I wish I could get a jersey like that. Because, like, I have, like, baseball, football. But I don't have any racing jerseys. Like, I have racing shirts. Like, I'm wearing my Team Joey Logano shirt. And then I have a couple other Logano shirts. I don't have any IndyCar shirts yet. But, I mean, that would be cool to have a jersey like that. Yeah, they're really cool uh, to have. I have eight or nine i think i'm not sure i lost count my favorite one actually is the um anti-target one that i did uh and it was actually very popular among people because i just crossed out all the target sponsors on my dixon jersey on the one of the bolt ones i have i have two of them and um it like i had people taking pictures of it left and right yeah it it's sad that the Target the the place for millennials just like dropped out of NASCAR and IndyCar and all of racing completely. And it's like 
man, they were such a great sponsor to Dixon and Larson. And all those other NASCAR drivers people don't remember. Yeah, like Montoya. They, he was great with – Reed Sorensen. Yeah, Target was great with teams like Dario, Dan Weldon. Great oh, yeah. With, um, Kanan. They didn't really leave Kanan until a couple years ago. Well, like, the thing with the Kanan one was he only had one season with them, and even then it's when Kanan actually won his last race at Fontana. Um, but Kanan really wasn't that successful, and they just sort of left the 10 car, and they kept with the guy that they knew could still win, which was Dixon, and by God, he won a championship. Now, as a you know, people can argue how he won the championship, which was on fuel mileage in the yeah. final race. But he still won the championship. Um, My friend, but, who's that big of an IndyCar fan, and he's not really – he's sort of a NASCAR fan, but not really that big of one. He's got this, like – I don't – I guess it would be like a champ car. Scott, I don't know if it's six or not, but it's a nice target champ car, 10, and it's signed. And like, it's, it's a custom, stuff. right? What? Is it the DPO one? Honestly, I don't know really any of the IndyCar names except for DW12. So yeah, understandable. Um, so they got the boxy rear wing, and it was before the tight the pods, and um, it had it was one of them that had the target logos all over it. Which that's pretty much every target car. That doesn't really help. Yeah. It was a tank. I, mean, I know someone did a custom with the last champ car, uh, which was the Pano's DPO one. And it was a Scott Dixon car, but it was a custom on the champ car body. Yeah, it, it's not a custom. I mean, it's a full on. It's Hot Wheels. I know that. It's signed. At least I know the box is signed. It's 118. The box is mostly, it's pretty much like a green light box now. Mm. Uh, I know it's a tank car. I can assure you that much. It might be the 124 uh, Hot Wheels that were readily available back in the day, but are kind of rare now. Mm -hmm. They had those in like two. It it was a weird period for IndyCar diecast back then because. Greenlight had really nothing, and they didn't have really that much of a license. And um, so Hot Wheels was the one that picked it up, and they and IndyCar diecasts were readily available anywhere that sold Hot Wheels, really. Yeah, and then that was like after Racing Champions, I know that much. I was like after the Racing Champions time period. Yeah, uh, again, IndyCar diecasts are so weird at times. Yeah. But right now, things seem pretty stable. Greenlight's doing a better job than they have in in recent memory. Um, and overall, you know, Greenlight could actually be mildly proud of what they've done, even, yeah. though, they're, even though they're mildly annoyed at me and Brody because we kind of borrowed some of their prototypes. <laughs> yeah. And the main reason I know so much about IndyCar is 
David Land. I mean, when I really started my YouTube channel, it, I was trying to be like David Land, Aflac Cup Series and Double E Cup Series. All them, I was really trying to be like them. And I noticed that there weren't too many IndyCar series around. And I just started an IndyCar series where I would use, like, my cup cars and, like, the three IndyCars that I had. And at the time, I had, like, this fake F1 car. And this was before I even got any IndyCar diecast. And then Hinchcliffe was just this black car. New Garden was this storm New Garden was a stormtrooper car, and it was just random cars I had found. And then it was a four race season with the championship being the for the four winners, and Hinchcliffe ended up winning the championship. And yeah. then I got my IndyCar diecasts and more NASCAR diecasts, like because all my NAS this is when I, all my NASCAR diecasts had gotten taken away, and then I finally got some of them back, and then I just started a sort of better but with nascar um indycar series and then of course second season i hadn't had a rossi so arco won the championship ironically enough he won the indy 500 too so i mean funny enough when i was um smaller I, i'm i'm a, almost a goddamn adult now and i still act like a kid believe it or not um <laughs> Well, actually, I am a goddamn adult. It's hard. It's hard to believe that too. Um, okay. Back in the day, I used to. Uh, I had the green light Daytona prototypes, the Grand Am cars, and <laughs> I put those. And I'm a sports car fan, so I believe in classes. So I had the sports cars in the um, P class. I had an IndyCar class where it's just like Indy cars. And then I had the NASCAR class, which was like the GT cars almost. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah. those were fun days. Yeah. And on occasion, I will do stop motions. Now, I'm trying to turn my channel. It's really an all bad channel because of how long IndyCar and NASCAR stop motions take. So really, oh, yeah. I'm really going to only do stop motions for like big occasions. So like this month, I'm going to do an IndyCar stop motion, Indy 500 one, with my 10 IndyCars, which now I can confirm to you that they are the Andretti Snapple car, the Chevrolet NTT Data um, Canon, the Arrow Hinch, Ray Hall Steak and Shake, the Menards One Pagano, the Bolt Dixon um, Fuzzy's Vodka does not come on a base, people. Does not. 21. <laughs> um, Hildebrand, I believe. No, this was the New Garden car. And then uh, Castro Neves's. Castro Neves's. That's hard to say. That's like Kansas. Hitchhiker's car and Rossi's car. Which I, I asked my nana for all my diecasts because I can't make money worth a crap because <laughs> of how young I am. And when I do make money, I always, surprise, surprise, toss it out on diecasts. Oh. Um, I had asked her for the Indy 500 one because I knew that came with the metal uh, rear wing. And she got me the 2017 one. And I'm like, yeah, I still like it, but I really wanted to. Uh, Indy 500 one. 
Well, there is a reason that they went to the uh, plastic one. It's actually mildly understandable because the um, bumpers on the Chevys, they on the Montoya and Dixon car, or no, not even the Dixon car, but the Montoya and the Pippa Man promo car, um, which don't ask me why they decided to put a Honda driver on a Chevy Aero kit for her promo. Um, but nonetheless, they had metal bumpers. And the problem with that was the metal bumpers on the Chevy cars actually got bent up in the packaging. Uh, they got warped. And it is the same issue that happened with the plastic one or the metal, um, excuse me, rear wing on the, uh, Honda cars. So it's understandable why they went to the plastic and it works better in my opinion. Um, you get a little bit less value for your money, and that's true, but also your die cast is going to be probably less damaged when you get it. Yeah, but then there's the pain when you have little brothers like me when they get a hold of them. Like, the two die casts that my, not my littlest and not the second littlest, but the one that's like three years younger than me, the oldest of the youngest, if that makes any sense, he he's gotten two of them. He's gotten the daily one, and he's gotten the Pagano one. Pagano one was the first one. Both bumper pods break off, and then he gets the day the daily one. One bumper pod breaks off, and this is like first like the Pagano one was like. First two weeks with it, and the daily one was the first day. Yeah, I mean that happens with uh, littler siblings. Yeah, and then like I have been able to preserve one car in one piece. I think the rear wing broke off one time and I super glued it back on. Sadly enough, it the rear wing was sideways. I just left it like that. But sadly, it's just disappointing that the front wheel is bent in or it's bent out. So like all the time I'll have like when I like to do like fake stop motions that I don't even like record. I and um a lot of the times I'll have something go on with Andretti and he will break his front right suspension and then go straight to the wall because of that problem. Just because the front wheel is like that. Yeah. Well, I'm going to uh, probably head off here in a couple um, because I do need to get some rest before tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow is Fast Friday. Yeah, it is. And for me, it's the end of the last full week of my junior high. I'll have three days next week. One of the days I get to go to the high school that I'm not even going to. Yay. And then we're going to have the barbecue on that day. And school will be out for the summer. Hopefully, I have gotten offers from the one and only President NASCAR that if we are in the area of a race, he will use his ways to get me in. And 
get me to my first race because I am that well known on Sirius XM NASCAR radio. IndyCar radio really needs a Sirius XM channel now that I think they need to be like airing way more races, get shows like The Morning Drive and well, Tracy. They do have a radio channel. Um, I mean, it's all radio network. They do have one on the XM network. Yeah, but that's like most of the time it's MLB, and when the races are on, that's the race. That's true. But anyways, I I will say I appreciate um, you having me on. It's been fun. Uh, you know, there's definitely been some interesting conversation. Um, it's actually my third podcast of the day, believe it or not. Um, let me guess. Rain Race, Dale Cast. I, I have not done the Dale Cast yet, but I... I will after tomorrow, or actually after qualifying, um, because I'm just lazy. I don't, I can't do it every day. And then you know, this is like my fifth or sixth podcast this week, including the uh, red pills. Mm-hmm. Which you know, it's been a busy week, but I always have fun doing these. It's always a pleasure to talk to people and to meet new people and have conversation. Mm-hmm. Of course, follow me on Instagram, Joy the Gone Fan Twenty Eighteen. Follow him, Kevin's Racing Photos on Instagram, and then subscribe to our YouTube channels. I am CRT Network. He is Kevin Rollins. Literally, and, just my name. Yeah, um, Kevin. Just one last thing: if you can get me more out into the IndyCar world, like with David. He is literally my favorite YouTuber. I, like, watch almost all of his videos. I have the bell on for him. I literally have watched almost every single video in Indy 500 month. I've watched every Red Pill this year. I've watched, like, the whole season of his IndyCar season, Series 2003, or whatever the game is called. He is, like, my biggest inspiration on YouTube. So, if you could really get my name out there into that world, that would be great. I'll do my best, man. I'll bring him up. I'll bring your name up to David when I see him tomorrow. Because, uh, apparently, he's having this fan meetup. So, if you're at, if you're planning to be at the Speedway tomorrow, everybody out there, uh, there's going to be a fan meetup at some point in the morning. So, come meet David and, to a lesser extent, myself. Yeah. Um, so, ladies and gents, that will do it for today's podcast. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, my Instagram and YouTube, and as well as Kevin's Instagram and YouTube. For mm-hmm. Kevin and myself, I just want to say good night, good afternoon, or good morning mm-hmm. to any of you who are watching. Mm-hmm. And have a great night to Kevin and all. Thank you, guys. Have have a great one. See ya. See ya.